from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. It is so terrific to have you here today. Thank you for tuning in to the Badass Counseling Show. I am Sven Erlinson, the moron on the microphone, and I am joined in studio with Rob, my producer who runs all things technical, creative, and just about everything else. Rob, what's the good word today? It seems to be working, Sven. No worries. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. And KC is back in the booth, and she is silent as per usual. We have a fascinating show today. We've got uh, Jenny joining us today, and normally we characterize our shows, we sort of lump them under one sort of, um, uh, oh, I don't know what the word would be, one sort of headline, one sort of title. And uh, But Jenny's got a few things going on, and so rather than lumping it under one uh, individual thing, we're sort of calling it a mashup. It's sort of cheating slash breakup slash generational trauma slash help. Um, and uh, so, Rob, tell us what we got going on with Jenny today. All right. Jenny wrote to us and said, hi, my husband of 10 years, I now see, has and has always had traits of narcissistic personality disorder. He had multiple affairs a few years back, and I decided to stay with both of us choosing to turn to God to help us through it. That didn't last for him, and I was ultimately blamed for him stopping going to church. I've been blamed for every single thing that's ever been wrong in our relationship. I read your book, Sven, There's a Hole in My Love Cup, and I feel like it screams to my husband. He went through major childhood and adolescent trauma. I have tremendous sympathy, but don't feel the same for him anymore. While he wants to work on our marriage, I can't find enough want to do the same. Help. Jenny, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is ours. Pleasure is ours. Um, you end it by saying, while he wants to work on our marriage, I can't find enough want to do the same. Um, so let me ask you the straight up question. Why haven't you left your husband yet? I guess the biggest reason is the kids. Um, for a while, it was the fact that I felt so bad and because uh, everyone else has left him in his life. So I thought... If I love this man and I vow to be with him, can I just do this and be with him? And uh, but it so it was for a while. It was that I felt bad, but now it's just the. I mean, if I'm being honest, the the stability of my life. I'm a stay at home mom with four kids, and I, I don't want our lives to drastically change. Uh, you know, that's the major thing right now. Um, so right now, it's the kids. It's been. It's been sorry. I felt sorry for him for so long, but now it's just really the comfortable life that we live. And so that says you don't feel sorry for him anymore. I, I, it's hard for me to now because we've had conversations about what's going on. And, um, you know, he's kind of come to the terms that he does have some issues that he started to see a counselor for, but it was really like, I told him I needed him to kind of do some healing for us to be able to, you know, improve our marriage. And that he did go to the counselor a couple of times, but it's just the sorriness that I had for him is fading because the, the um, 
the behaviors are still kind of there. And I don't know. I just, I think that he should be able to recognize what he's doing. Well, and what's interesting is in a way, even if he didn't recognize it, you've drawn it to his attention. You recognize it, you stated it, and you're saying he went to a counselor a couple of times, but that's it. So clearly, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't mind being wrong, but it sounds like he's basically saying, yeah, I don't really give a shit. That's what it feels like. It really does, because we've been kind of through this before, back like in a, like where I stated um, he went to church, he started, it was his idea to start going, all of us to go to church, and but eventually it was just me and the kids who were going and um, like he just tried for like a few weeks and, and that was it. And that's what makes me feel like now with this, he's gone to the counselor. I'm like, in my mind, I can't help but think, well, that's just not going to last. I mean, right. it's just something to keep me longer. It's all just talk. I mean, clearly, I yeah. mean, you just said it. Basically, I've seen this bullshit before. It's just talk. He's just mm-hmm. selling and he'll do it for a little bit. And then he's like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. And he had the, bra- if you, if I hear you correctly, he had the brass balls to blame you for him stopping going to church. Is that right? I, I have to hear that yeah. story. Tell me. Yes. Okay. So whenever we started, I sing, uh, I've always sang. So he recommended that I start doing the choir at the church. And so he thought it would be good for me. And I, I was interested. I really wanted to. Well, then I ended up uh, getting in the choir and then moved up to the praise and worship team. So I was requested to sing every week, um, sometimes Sundays, twice on Sundays, and then on Wednesdays. So that required me to be at church a little earlier than everyone else. So in the mornings, it would be stressful whenever they would all like him and our, some of the other children were taking too long. You know, they were going to make me late. So I was, I was frustrated and that's what he blamed. Uh, he, he said, I made him not want to go anymore because it was so um, like I yelled at him in the mornings before church and, that just put a bad taste in his mouth and he didn't want to go anymore because I ruined it for him. What a fucking baby. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. What? I know. I know. I know. Okay. okay. And and so let me ask, um, what do you believe is the reason he stopped going to church? We hear him saying, Hey, it's all your fault. Jenny, it's your fault. It's you. It's you. It's you. You're the, yeah, it's your fault. Yeah. What do you say? I haven't really put a lot of thought into why he stopped going. Um, maybe, what do you think the reason maybe is? Maybe he wasn't. You could change your mind tomorrow. Maybe that he wasn't getting anything. It, like he he didn't connect because that's what I always felt like is he wasn't ever really paying attention and he didn't get it, I guess. And, I, I don't know. And I, I, I think that's a sort of benevolent rendering of it because you said he went to counseling for a few weeks and then pissed that away. He went to church for a few weeks and pissed that away. And now he's saying he'll do blah, blah, blah. And... And so is it that he's not getting anything out of it or is it that he's not putting anything into it? That, that, exactly, yeah. It's interesting It's interesting you say that, Jenny. Um, I knew a, an old Finnish pastor from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, a lot of Finns up there, and uh, his name was Giles. And Giles, this old pastor, older than my parents, and I, I'm sure he's deceased, and tr- tremendous respect for this man. He was a Lutheran pastor, and he, but he ended up retiring from that and at a young age and selling insurance or something. And just a salt-of-the-earth guy. But he used to say, Jenny, he said, you know, Sven, anytime I find myself in church listening to a sermon that I'm not really connecting with or maybe I'm finding boring, I think about 
uh, the loggers up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I said, what's that? What do you think about? He says, well, back when I was a kid, and he would have been born in late teens, early 1920s. He said, back when I was a kid, those loggers, and that was logging country up there, a lot of big, big trees and big men cutting down big trees. And he said, on a t- they would take a two-man saw to these giant trees. And on a two-man saw, there's one guy on each end, and they're pushing, pulling, pushing, pulling. But he would say, you can't operate a two-man saw with just one man. Because you got to have the guy on the other end pulling the saw while you're pushing the saw, and then you have to pull the saw. He says, so if I'm sitting in church listening to a really crappy sermon, i got to realize i got to pull my end of the saw. i got to do the work of saying, well, what's he getting at? Even if the preacher isn't saying anything that's really hitting me, you know, he's not grinding up and baking into a nice pretty loaf of bread for me with some jelly and peanut butter on it, you know, i got to find the message in there. And it sounds like your husband wasn't doing any pulling on his end of the saw. Safe to say? Very, yeah. And, and and also with the counseling. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, he's basically wanting to keep his wife and wanting to keep his life, but not really have to invest anything. But most importantly, it sounds like, unwilling to acknowledge that there's anything wrong with him. Or or does he? Yeah, he, he does to an extent, but he tries to say that he's healed from all the stuff that he went through. He said, <laughs> I see, I don't even think that he has brought, I, I feel that he probably has not even brought up what he went through to this counselor. I think that he went in there and told him what's stressing him out right now. And it, he's going to say money. Um, and he tries to say that back then they told the counselors that he's seen as an adolescent told him to lock his feelings up. Oh, and God. that's when I knew That's when I knew. I mean, I knew that he didn't actually have adequate, if at all, you know, help when he was younger. And he said he's moved on from it. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's a bunch of shit. And he may have to tell him that that to himself because he doesn't want to touch it because it's so painful or what have you. But you said the, the most recent therapist he was in, you know, a couple of times, few times, two, three times. And I'm assuming the the session was an hour or 50 minutes each session, right? Yeah. So we're talking three 50 Mm -hmm. minute or two 50 minute sessions. And yeah, he, he got everything out and it's all taken care of. It's like, Fuck you. It's like, come on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it's looking like because he didn't go last week and he hasn't had he didn't go this week. So I'm thinking, is this is this it? Like he went two times and, you know. Yeah. And and the, the bottom line is this. Do you know why bullies bully? You may have heard me say this before or picked it up in the book. Do you know why bullies bully? Because they can. Because they don't yeah. get, they don't give a shit. And as long as I can punch you in the face, hey, it feels good. I'm going to punch you in the face, either literally mm-hmm. or metaphorically, right? And he's sort of been yeah. punching you in the face for years. You said, and and so let's go back to that. He had multiple affairs a few years back. All right, and I decided to stay. You said you guys have been uh, ten years married. When uh, did the affairs happen, or when did you find out about the affairs? I found out um, on New Year's Day of 2019, I believe. Yeah, 2019, yeah. But I had these god-awful gut feelings for probably two and a half years. So I know for sure now that those feelings came from somewhere. Like it wasn't just... He worked out of town for three weeks at a time, and he would come home for a week. He did that for like two, two almost three years, and I felt like 
looking back at everything now with my eyes open that I can see so many times where he was doing it well before 2019. I want to say like three years. So 2016-ish then. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. Okay, and it is 2000, almost 23 now. Um, So that means you were married in 13 or in 12? 12. You were married in 12. So at the very least, you're saying four years in, may have been earlier, may have been a year later, but somewhere in there, at least in by four years into the marriage, he's uh, cheating on you. And just out of curiosity, how many kids did you have by 2016? We had one kid. And when I found out I was pregnant, I mean, uh, whenever I found out he was cheating, I, we had a one-year-old baby. And, uh, but I knew when I was pregnant with the baby, looking back to certain circum, like certain, uh, situations that he was doing it while I was pregnant too. Oh, and, uh, yeah, for sure. I know for sure he was. So what are the ages of your children? They are, our children together are, uh, eight, four and two. Okay. But you have four kids. Well, I have a daughter who's 16 that lives with us, and then he's got two daughters that live with their mom, and they're 18 and uh, 15. 18 and 15. They lived with us at the time. He's had He had custody of them our, almost our whole relationship. So I've raised gotcha. his step, my stepdaughters pretty much. Wow, bless your heart. That's, that's admirable. Um, and it sounds like he's raising uh, your daughter, right, that you brought in. He's a part of that. Yeah, financially is about <laughs> – I mean, th- these days it's a little more um, – a little more involved, but up until she was 16 and got a car, he hadn't had much of a fatherly relationship. Is that the same with uh, the eight, the four, and the two-year-old? Does he do much? Is he much involved in the kids' lives? He is more so now um, that he works from home, but before he quit that job, no, he wasn't a part. He wasn't much at all. And even still now, um, I brought it to his attention that some of the things I'd like to see change are that he is more involved with the kids because it really affects them. And my eight-year-old daughter, Nora, she uh, she wants him to go to school things, and he just never has been that parent to go do that extra stuff with the kids. I mean, even his daughters, whenever they lived with us, it was always me that went to the school functions and everything. And uh, you said he quit that job, and he's been working from home. When did that happen? Um, when I found out that he cheated on me, that was when he stopped traveling and he stayed home. Okay. And, uh, was that on your, was that on your insistence that he stopped traveling and stay at home or was that his idea? I never told him that I wanted him to stay. I think he just knew that that was the thing that had to be done is that he had to be home. Well, I, I tell you, I have to, Jenny, I have to hear the story of how the hell you found out on New Year's Day on New Year's Day that he had been cheating on you. I have to hear this, but right now we're gonna to go to commercial. Much more to come right after this short break. It took me to the place that scared me the most. The crap I've been running from my whole life. The stuff that's been dragging me down. And it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some friggin' peace. You gotta get this book. There's a hole in my love cup. Or the do-it-yourself video courses. All at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. 
Now back to more badass counseling with Sven. Yes, we are back with Sven and Jen E. Jenny uh, is <laughs> sharing her story with us. A lot of pain. Ouch. I mean, like heavy, like hardcore. Ouch. Uh, cheated on, she says, uh, a few years back, she found out she had been cheated on uh, uh, and that he had had multiple affairs a few years back and just sort of like the oomph behind it that really is the gut punch is she found out on New Year's Day. So here she is, beginning of a new year, all the resolutions we make, and you find out he had been cheating on you multiple times. Jenny, you got to tell us the story. Wait, before you do, just so for a point of reference, how old are you, Jenny? I'm 36. All right, you're 36. Now give us the story. Go ahead. Okay, so I had mentioned before that I had gut feelings for a few years uh, before I found out, and I had reached out actually to a couple of his um, friends' wives that I thought were really good people and that they would be honest with me. Like they had kids that were people that I felt would would be honest. So they, each one of them, there was about three different girls, and each one of them were like, I'm sure he's not doing that, Jenny. You know, they were trying to just assure me that I was, you know, just worried, but he, that they would, he wouldn't do that. So it, it got, that got pushed off for a while. Well, one of the girls that I reached out to, um, her and her husband had gotten a divorce and he worked with Chris, my husband, um, for a long time. He actually lived with him up in North Dakota while they were working. Well, they divorced and I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to reach out again when I found that out because I knew that they didn't talk anymore. And I thought, well, maybe she'll, cause it was still eating at me. I could, I just knew there was something. I was sick about it. And so I reached out to her again and sure enough, she told me everything she knew. I mean, she said that she, she said, well, first of all, I don't like your husband. She, she did tell me the first time I had asked her, she said, I don't like him because whenever I met him up in North Dakota, I asked him what you did. I said, what does Jenny do like for a living? And he said, she sits on her ass all day. Oh. That's the words that he told her that I do while I'm raising his kids uh. at home, all of our children. I mean, wow. I am a nurse, but I decided to stay at home with the kids because he he provided enough for me to be able to do that anyway. So so she had told me that. So I thought if she tell me that if there's something she knows now, she will probably tell me. And she did. She told me that he had a uh, one of those dating um, apps. Uh, I forgot uh, Tinder or one of those. I don't know much about him, but that he was hooking up with girls everywhere that he stopped in Houston and South Dakota. He, I found out he brought one girl from Houston to South Dakota for like a little trip. I mean, wow. so she told me that. Um, and then uh, that's, those are the things that she told me about. And then he, whenever I talked to him um, after I found out and I confronted him, he had told me that there was another one, a girl that he kind of formed a relationship with actually up in North Dakota that um, they started out kind of just as someone to talk to. And it just got, it went further from there. He, he never really said anything else, but I'm not stupid. And I know how far things go um, when you think your wife is across the country and we'll never find out. But so that was how I found out. And uh, she told me all that. And there was another coworker's wife who, told me the same things about the the girl that he brought to South Dakota. She told me her name. 
she, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And so you so. find this out, uh, this, uh, friend, um, the wife of a uh, friend, the divorce, all this, you find all this out on New Year's, New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And I'm, is it safe to say you basically said, hey, kids, take care of yourselves. Daddy and I are going out in the car. We're going to go on a little driver. Tell us what transpired or when did you confront him? What happened? Well, he wasn't home. He was actually up north and he was, uh, he wasn't even due to come home yet. And I called him as soon as she told me everything. The kids were across the house. I was in our room and uh, I just lost it. I, I wish now that I could have been more uh, discreet about it because the girls, all my daughters heard me. It was it was pretty, tra- I mean, it, it was traumatic because they all heard me. They were all crying and I, I hate it now looking back. But I called him, I was screaming yelling i mean i couldn't hold it in and i told him that i hated him all this stuff and he ended up coming home he he decided at that point he was screwed so he decided to just drive home on the way home is like the church hold the whole idea about going to church it hit him in the middle of nowhere he was driving home and i hadn't talked to him in a few hours because i didn't really want to hear from him of course not. but he called me crying yeah he was crying and he said uh something knocked the breath out of him and he had to pull over because he couldn't breathe and it was god the song came on the radio and it it hit him and i was naive and I, I i didn't immediately take to it and feel sorry for him or anything or but uh looking back it all turned about it turned around to where this whole thing went to him becoming a Christian again. Like he got saved, he got baptized, but in, it was like his journey. He was like, whatever happens with us, this is the life that I need to live. And, and it it was all like, he had just had a wake up call and him. But you said I was naive and so forth. And he had this wake up call and he got saved. Are you saying when you say I was naive, are you saying that all of that, Oh, gut punch and lost his breath and getting saved. And now I see the light and all that, that it was basically bullshit. I believe it was. Yeah. Based on his actions of going to church for three weeks and then quitting. Yeah. It sounds pretty much like he was snowing you, trying to snow you by claiming God shit yeah. to try to snow you. Is is that, am yeah. I off base there or what? Oh, not at all. That was it. And actually I didn't even really feel up until now, up until like two months ago, when I started watching oh, your great. videos and then a lot of videos of, I mean, like, cause, because it got down to the root things that's wrong with him. And, and I feel like it all ties together. And, and then looking back, I'm like, that wasn't true. That wasn't a genuine situation with him. It was him, you know, trying to just band-aid everything. And so he's singing the religion song and claiming God and praise Jesus and, and all that, which, you know, if it's authentic in a person, hey, God bless you, go for it. I, I'm all for people being religious. If that's what speaks to their heart, go for it. But he wasn't doing that. As we discover, yeah. when he comes back and he's like, ah, yeah, that church was fun for a couple of weeks, but wow, it's just, I don't like you getting upset with me in the morning just because you have to go to the choir and, you know, I, and you're probably also getting four kids, six kids, three kids out the door and wait, you're going to get upset with me. So he's, yeah. it's just bullshit. Everything coming out of his fucking mouth is bullshit. Yeah. Okay. And so you decided to stay. Now that must've been one 
hell of a sales pitch that he made. You know, it, it, I always tell people that sales is really about overcoming objections, right? A, a good salesperson can mm-hmm. overcome objections. And so I'm guessing if you discovered that it wasn't just he had one affair or one woman, all these different women, it was just one fuck you after another. It's just him saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I don't yeah. care about your feelings. I don't care about you. I have no loyalty. Fuck you, fuck you. So to overcome all of those objections and the hatred, you even told him you hated him. And you said all of this so loud that even your children heard, which I think at some point you need to exonerate yourself for, because I don't know a person alive who could hold their tongue, given that news being dropped on their lap on New Year's Day. Yeah. All right. So he says all these fuck yous and you've got all these objections, yet he managed to overcome overcome all of the objections. And basically what got you back that enabled him to overcome all these objections was what? what? Boil it down in one sentence or less. What was it that caused you to say, okay, I'm going to stay? It, it was God and Jesus forgives and it, he needed me. It, you know, that's what I felt at the time. It, it was all just the the spiritual side like that's that's what it was and i still have that inside all right then all right no let's go there right now i believe you when you say you have that inside and as you know you know i'm a former pastor i don't have a congregation or anything i still do you know weddings and funerals and and do a lot of spiritual counseling and so forth so let me ask that question straight up what's god telling you now if you were to be totally honest in your prayer life, and I know if you've had someone cheating on you and you're saying, I can't, I can't find enough want to do the work anymore in this relationship, and you know, I you know, I have sympathy, but I don't feel the same anymore. Oh, I guarantee you've been doing a whole lot of talking in your prayer life. And so, what have you been what have you been saying? What have you been asking for? No, that's what I want to know. Boil it down in one sentence. What have you been asking God for above all else? I think uh, the main thing is like is clarity because I can't distinguish my thoughts if I if I stay and give them a chance to um, at this point. It, this sounds stupid to even say it, but it's to see the things that he's doing if I point them out to him because that's what we've talked about is if he can if he can be aware of what he's doing sometimes then he can work on it. So I have that, but then I have. I I feel that God tells me all the time that I am enough is what just keeps ringing in my head and that I can do it without him. Ah, That's all. That's as far as I get with that is like. That's brilliant, Jenny, because what that says, if God is whispering in your ear that I am enough and wait, is God saying I got him enough or God's telling you, you, Jenny, are enough? Me, Jenny, uh, yeah. And so what that what that tells me, that if God is whispering that to you in your ear, and that brings a sense of, of comfort, a sense of strength, a sense of cause, it, it, it enables you to overcome your fears, which tells me your real fear is that I'm not enough. Your real fear in all of this, it's not that you don't have clarity per se, it's I know what I want, but I'm terrified because I'm terrified I won't fucking be able to do it, that I'm not enough. And so God keeps whispering, my child, you are enough. You are enough. Mm-hmm. And so if, if God's saying those things to you, that tells me that your fear inside is that you're not enough. And let me ask you then, is that accurate? If, what is your grand fear in this whole equation? What is the whopper? In one sentence or less, what are you most afraid of, Jenny? Well, in this whole this whole relationship, it has been that I am not enough. And 
now I think my fear is the unknown. And in the unknown, and I, I assume you mean the unknown if I leave this relationship. If I were to divorce my husband, I don't know what's going to happen. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, yeah. That's a perfectly normal response to an extraordinarily abnormal circumstance. Somebody has cheated on you many, many times, and you have basically six kids that you've been responsible for raising. Yeah, I'd say that's a highly abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of people get cheated on, plenty of people have kids, but, you know, six and a bunch. Okay, so you've got, you're having a normal response, but I, I, I got to ask you this. So it's the fear of the unknown that that is causing the greatest lack of clarity and so forth. Let me ask you, in the unknown, what is the one thing you're most afraid of happening? If you were to divorce your husband and you can't see into the future and you can't plan every, everything and nobody can and you can't see all the possibilities, what's the one thing you most fear happening? Maybe being alone and, and finding and not finding someone that I, that's what it is, is not finding a person that I will spend the rest of my life with who is right for me and that who, who listened, like all of that, all the things that I feel I deserve I'm afraid that I won't, and I'm afraid that he will make that hard for me as far as, you know, just fighting or whatever it may be. I don't know what it'll be like, but I think it may be. No, that makes total sense. And let me tell you, Jenny, that is very common with people considering divorce and and that giant decision. So I, I totally get it. Okay. Uh, what's interesting to me is you didn't say, I fear that I may not be able to raise my kids, you know, as a single mom. You didn't say that. And I'm not saying that isn't one of your fears, but it's not your biggest. Your biggest is, will I find someone yeah. who loves me and who's right for me and that I can spend my life with and be happy with? And so it's, it's in a way, you don't doubt your parenting abilities and you don't doubt that, uh, you know, you'll be able to make it and so forth. I mean, you know, you probably have some anxieties around that. I'm not, you know, totally dismissing that. But the real whopper is, will I find someone who loves me? Mm-hmm. And, and that's legit. Um, and so let me ask you this. And it's a, you know, silly question on one hand, but, a, but an honest question. Do you like you, Jenny? Do you like who you are? I do, actually. Uh, Other than that you're a great mom, what's the best part about you? um, I want to say that I'm kind and I I care about everybody. Like, I care about everybody. That's right. And not not to an extent where I will be walked on all the time. Like, I feel like I've been through that phase and I'm smarter now. But I just... I just care about people. To satisfy my own curiosity, you said you're a nurse. Uh, you're, you haven't been working lately. You've been raising a whole bunch of kids. Uh, what kind of nurse are you, just out of curiosity? Just a licensed practical. No, yeah, LPN is what we call it here. So The only reason I ask is because, uh, yeah, if you're a nurse, you know, one of my brothers is a nurse, one of my uh, sisters-in-law is a nurse and so forth, and I have profound respect for that career field. And I'm sorry, you, you're, you don't make it in the nursing field unless you have a whole lot of love and kindness inside you. So when you say you're a kind person, I believe you 100%, 100%. And the truth is, there are a whole lot of people in this world wanting a relationship with somebody who's just fucking kind and decent. Yeah. Does the right thing. And so this notion, while I can understand your fear, this notion that, gee, I may not find someone, forgive me, as an objective outside observer, I'm not getting any evidence of that. 
that there would be yeah. any that that would be rooted in in reality. But it doesn't change the fact that you still have the fears, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have those fears. It sounds like you, you already know really what you want to do. Yeah, but it, you're afraid to do it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just it's kind of recent that that is my biggest fear too, though, because. I, for the longest, thought I, I want to leave because I'm not, this isn't, there's no happiness that I can even see in the future. So I've, I've known that I wanted to leave, but I always thought I don't even care about another relationship for a long time because my kids are my main focus. But lately that's changed. So why do you care about a relationship now? Why lately? I don't know. I, why? I, Speculate. Um, I want to know why lately, uh, why maybe, now do you care about having someone when you didn't before? I don't know if it's maybe because when he's home, we're really distant more than ever now. And, and it, it makes me for a while. I don't, I don't long for him. I don't have longing for any particular other person, but no, I hear you. I hear you. But why all of a sudden are you finding yourself wanting someone or thinking about having someone? Why is that? I don't know if I could tell you, honestly, I I don't know. I want you, I want you to take a swing at it knowing you could change your mind tomorrow or next week or a month. What really do you think for you? It just sort of boils down to you. I think maybe just because I miss it. I miss, I just miss it. But then I think back to us and I don't there with him. I don't miss anything that we had before because I feel like it was never true. Right. And never like genuine and real. It wasn't real. I feel like. Right. Because we never had this depth to our relationship that I long for. And and just out of curiosity, what's the reason you never had the depth to the relationship? I, he has never seemed interested in the things that I talk about. He can carry on conversations with anyone else. And so let me ask you the question. Why did you get into a relationship with someone who never really cared what you were talking about? And I'm not scolding you. I'm just yeah. asking you, Jenny, because I don't want you to make that dis- that mistake the next time. Yeah. Right? Because then it's like, holy shit, I'm just carrying my old shit into my new relationship. Yeah. And I know you don't want that. So mm-hmm. I want you to pinpoint for me what really did it boil down to? You chose someone that you knew wasn't interested in you. And if that was... Uh, Back 10 years ago, you were a 26-year-old woman, and you had a child, and I get that, and he had uh, you know, a child um, or two, whatever. Why yeah. did you choose someone who wasn't interested in what you had to say? At the very beginning, I didn't see, I didn't notice or feel that. He wasn't interested at the very, very beginning. We moved fast. We met, and I moved in about four months after we met, and... Then we got married and engaged, you know, engaged not long after that. Why did you want to move fast, Jenny? What were you getting by moving fast with this relationship with this guy? What was it that you were getting that you wanted to move fast and burn, blew right through all those warning signs that you didn't even see? Why did you want to move fast? And I'm going to ask you that right after we come back. Okay. We'll be back with more badass counseling right after this. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life? Then go to BadassCounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. 
What's the badass got next? Well, let's find out. Not what the badass has next. Let's find out what Jenny has next. Jenny, uh, when you started out, you said that he was all through the relationship, and you say you didn't really realize it until later, but you realized he was never really interested in what you had to say. And as a result, you've never had that sort of deep connection, that emotional connection, that feeling like this person is really into me and, and sort of those feelings. And you said when it started out, we rushed right into it. You didn't use the word rush, but that's sort of what you're describing. And so I'm wondering why. So he had two daughters that were uh, the, right at the same age as my daughter. And they, I thought and felt like that was a good um, combination. And I thought that felt right. And I liked the things he was into. We were in our families or my family and him hunting and fishing. And he was an outdoor guy. It was those kind of things that I just thought these things are, you know, they just feel right right now. You know, that's what I, I thought that. I just saw something that I thought would would be good for me and my daughter is really what it was, is I thought that was a good a good thing for us, is that Fair enough. he was a manly man that could, you know, just kind of the things that I look for in a guy. And um, I don't know really why I had to move so fast. I guess he asked and I just. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's all right. And uh, looking back. What is the one thing you would do differently in that whole scenario of the beginning of your relationship, knowing what you know now, that you've never really had that deep connection with him and that, you know, he would cheat and 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 cheat. Um, what's the one thing you would do differently if you were going back at the beginning of that relationship, uh, apart from saying, well, I wouldn't get in the relationship with him, but what's the one thing you would do differently back when you were 26 and you first met him or 25 or 24, whatever it was? Yeah. Um, other than not get in the relationship, right? That's what you said. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't avoid red flags, I guess I would say. Mm. Mm. Because they were there from the very beginning. You know, it's so funny you say that. Um, I see that so much that particularly when we're young, we feel like, oh, I've always wanted a family. I'd love to have a family of my own. And this is a great opportunity. And or it's, I'm tired of being alone, or it's, oh gosh, he's so charming, or oh, she's so beautiful, or whatever. And there are other things, but we, we sort of put those blinders on because we have something we really want. And we don't, oftentimes we don't allow ourselves. It's not that the signs aren't there. You just said it yourself. They were there. Yeah. But I didn't, I sort of didn't want to see him or I ignored him or, or what have you. Um, and I get that. And have you... Have you been able to sort of forgive yourself for that a bit, Jenny? Um, I've not really ever thought of it like that. I've never thought about, um, you know, I've never just never thought of it in that term, forgiving myself, you know. What do you think was the biggest thing coming into this relationship that was unhealed in you? Because you've read my book and you know that I believe unhealthy people come in twos. So you've got this person who didn't express love and interest in you or didn't never took a strong interest in you and who cheated flagrantly and without any measure of conscience and then has blamed things on you. So we know you're dealing with a flawed person, but let me ask you, what was your and while perhaps there were many or not, what was the whopper? What What do you think was your biggest flaw from your childhood, from your past, that coming into this relationship? 
I mean, I've thought about that because I, like I said, I did read your book and I, I know that I haven't been through trauma as a child. We had, my parents were married up until, I mean, it was good. It was from what I remember of my childhood, everything was fine. But the only thing that keeps coming to mind is that I didn't have a close relationship with my dad. Um, and I knew that all through high school, I dated a boy for three years. And then after him, I felt the need to always have a boyfriend. Like I just wanted to have somebody like soon after. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a sexual need. It was like, I just, I needed just one person at a time. Because but, what, what did having a person there, what did that give you? And you said it wasn't necessarily a sexual thing. What was it? I needed to have someone. Why? What did that presence of that person in your life give to you, to your soul? What did it give you? I guess attention. And um, yeah, attention is what, and I'm not an attention seeker either. So I don't want it to sound like I needed, uh, well, I mean, I guess I did looking at it. And the truth is, it, just because someone needs attention doesn't mean they're, to use your phrase, an attention seeker. Oh, look at me, look at me. Yeah. No, 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 we all need it. We all need love poured into our love cup. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just out of curiosity, uh, you had said that basically you didn't have much of a relationship with your father, implying that he, didn't, he wasn't really active in pouring love in your love cup. You know, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your back. But beyond that, no. Uh, did you, was your mom active in giving you attention and pouring love into your love cup? Yeah. And, and whenever I say that about my dad, I, I don't, um, I remember love and, and all of that from both of them. I just don't, we never formed, um, a close relationship, but like he had my brother, they would hunt. Stuff. But I was always, why did you never form a close relationship? So maybe you felt loved, but why did you feel like you never got attention from dad? Like you had a close relationship? Why? I, I've always thought since I was a girl, it was just wasn't a boy that had the similar interests. That's just what I've always said to myself. Fair enough. When I was a strength coach, an NCAA strength coach, I had a pair of sisters uh, who were avid uh, bodybuilders who started their bodybuilding uh, lifting career in my gym and uh, terrific young women. And uh, they had b both grown up with their dad up in the woods of northern Minnesota hunting, fishing, the whole deal, you know, digging trenches, you know, uh, mending fences. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. And so it ain't, it ain't a, and I know plenty of young women and old women who grew up hunting and not always necessarily just with their dads, with their moms, whatever. So, uh, but the bottom line is you didn't uh, have a relationship with him. Um, clearly he wasn't interested in teaching you about it, whatever. Did you have a relationship with your mom? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you needed, so then it, you didn't get the attention, and so you were getting it from guys, and you always needed to have a guy close. And could that have been uh, part of what was driving you to jump into the relationship with your husband so quickly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so now you are facing then the possibility of never having a guy close, really, for potentially the first time since you were 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and having all the kids that I have, it... it it like makes that a bigger thing too, because it's not just, a, you know, I'm a, just a teenager who are, or a young adult that wants a, a, a boyfriend or whatever. It's, it's just a lot more because there's so much more importance involved. And, it, and, you know, with my kids, it's, 
a really big difference for me. Yeah. And, and so the question becomes, um, are you going to do it all over again? Are you going to make the mistake all over again of rushing into a relationship because I need to have someone close? Or are you going to do the work to heal yourself so that you can be alone and just wait and allow, I mean, to use your language, you said, you know, you believe in God and so forth. Do you believe that God will bring you someone when the time is right? Do you trust that the Lord will provide? I do, actually. I really do. I feel that that will happen. I just, I guess more so there's this unknown, all of it together, you know, just everything is scary because I'm so used to being home with all my kids and and I love my house. And it's just all these little things that just make me scared. And are you actively engaged in counseling or journaling or anything to get all of these anxieties and fears and, and uh, sadness and anger? And do you get actively get all of that out of you? No, I wouldn't say actively. Uh, I, I went and seen a counselor in our town uh, like twice. And um, I was supposed to go back and see before my husband came back from a, a month long uh, job that he was on. And uh, I just never I hadn't been back. I, I, I believe in going to see a counselor, but I'm like, I wish it could just be you. <laughs> Let's be honest. If I'm being honest, because like what I've noticed with him, the other one that I've seen is uh, that makes me feel kind of stupid to say that to you because no, but anyway, I, I, so, I get that a lot actually, but yeah, well, I just feel like it's just such a slow, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like I, I need him to like engage in more conversation and ask me things other than like, I feel like I just ramble and I, and I don't even feel any different when I leave. I just keep talking and one thing leads to another that, then Jenny, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, You have to do it yourself. I had to figure it out in my own personal life. I had to do the same thing because I felt there was no one pushing me and any questions they were asking. It's like, I had already asked those questions. You know, it's like I was already 10 questions ahead Mm -hmm. and there are good therapists out there. I'm not disputing that, but if you haven't found it, then you got to do it yourself. You've got to be active about getting all of this shit out of you. And the reason you do is because if you don't, you're going to repeat the same mistake, Jenny, you're going to jump back in and I don't want you to do that. I want you to actually have the happiness that I know is waiting for you, but that means you have to do the work and that means you have to prioritize. And I understand I grew up in a family where there were six kids, but I wasn't the one raising them. (laughs) And I can only imagine all the clothes you have to wash, just the laundry, let alone (laughs) the meals and everything else. But the bottom line is this, Jenny, either you are a priority or you're not. And ain't nobody else in your life ever going to make you a priority until you start making yourself a priority, until you make your healing a priority, until you make all those feelings that are jumbled up, all those fears, all the unknowns, all the anxieties, all the discontent, all the rage. And if you haven't gotten your rage out of you regarding all of that fucking cheating, and I don't mean just the one time when you yelled at them and said, I hate you. Oh, I guarantee there's rage in you and all of the sorrow. If you haven't gotten that all that out of you, it's in you. Yeah. And that's going to be corrupting all of your decision making regarding career, regarding parenting, regarding friendships, regarding love. It's going to corrupt all of those decisions moving forward. And I'm not saying this to scold, and I think you know that. Yeah. I'm saying it that you got to do the work. I know you want to be happy. And, and you sound like a wonderful woman. Thank you. A wonderful woman. And I know that love is out. No, I mean that very sincerely. Yeah. And I know that love is out there, but you got to do the work. 
And you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it are, if you were to start journaling and writing letters you don't send, particularly to your husband. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And the friends that didn't tell you all this shit sooner or whomever and writing letters to your own kids, all of which you don't send, but flushing out all those feelings. Do you have a place where you can either keep them in hard copy or if you put them uh, in a computer file, they could be encrypted? In other words, where your thoughts would be private and no one would ever find them. Do you have a way of doing that? Yes, I do. Okay. okay. That's And that's very important because I don't yeah. want any of this getting used against you. And quite frankly, I myself at times, you know, have flushed my journals down the toilet right after I get done writing them or I throw them in the fire or whatever. Uh, but you got to protect that, okay? Yeah. Um, and so let me ask you a weird question. Um, do you wish you would have already left your husband? Are there times when you wish it's like, fuck, why didn't I leave him six years ago when I found out or, you know, three years ago when I found Yes. And I just I think I don't like to think that way because of my kids. Like, I think I do wish that. But there's the kids like I wouldn't have had two of them if I would have left when I did want to leave. That's fair. So it hurts my feelings to say it. It's weird. But yes. Right. Aside from the kids. No. And and. Aside from the kids, and yeah, I and yeah. your kids are a wonderful blessing to in, to yourself, and they are in the world. I have no doubt. I'm sure they are wonderful yeah. uh, young people, and will be bring a lot to life. But yes, I meant it strictly on the personal side, and I should yes. have framed that question better. Um, and so, I guess um, moving forward, let me ask you: Do you, if you were at some point to reach a point where it's like I'm going to divorce my husband? Um, do you understand the value of getting your kids into some counseling as well, though? Do you understand that whether it's a you know a, a school counselor or finding the school psychologist or um, getting them in counseling that it'll be very important for them to have someone that they can go to apart from mom and dad? Because what if they're mad at you, or what if they're mad at you yeah. and dad, or what if they're really sad but they don't but they f- don't want you to feel bad? I don't want to burden yeah. mom with my feelings. Well, shoot, you don't want your kids thinking that. In other words, they have to have avenues to get their feelings out other than their knucklehead friends. Do you understand yeah. the value of that, Jenny? Yeah, and I, I'm I'm happy that you even asked me that because I haven't put a whole lot of to it, but it's just you mentioning it. It's like it's very important because I don't want them to carry on. In their lives and grow up with anything. I don't want to repeat this. What what is what their dad went through and and me. That's my main thing. Is I don't want them to end up in anywhere close to the shoes we're in. Amen. Amen. And you may even start moving them in that that direction. Even if you don't divorce, they've yeah. they've likely likely witnessed much of the stuff going on between you and your husband. They pick up on stuff, the older ones especially, young yeah. ones too, but they pick up on cues. And so you're teaching them. They're watching you. And if they know you're in an unhappy, unloving relationship, then you are normalizing that for yeah. them. You realize that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You are teaching, and, and do you have all girls or mostly girls or what? No, my two, the four-year-old and the two-year-old are boys, and then my eight-year-old and 16-year-old are girls, and then his daughters, they don't come around much. Fair enough. You are teaching to your daughters that this is what love is. You are teaching to your sons this is what love is. Yeah. You're teaching them this is how husbands treat wives. You're teaching them to eat it. 
They know that you are cheated on and you are teaching your daughters, well, you know, just keep eating it. They likely sense your unhappiness or the coldness in the relationship. You you are teaching them, not even with your words, they are watching you. They are watching, witnessing your values in action. Um, and so all of that, again, for them to be even starting counseling now, especially if a divorce might be on the horizon, then when the shit hits the fan later, they will already have a person in place in their lives that yeah. they can talk to and where the trust is already established. Furthermore, I would push you a little bit more on that. And that is, um, if your child uh, broke uh, her leg and said, no, I don't need to see a doctor, you'd be like, okay, I don't care, we're going to the doctor and they're going to set your leg and they're going to give you the antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, there'd be no question. I'm not asking for your opinion, young lady, you're going to the doctor. It's yeah. There are times in life when it comes to mental health where that is the case and these are still your children, they are your charge and trauma affects children and they need to see someone, if whether it's a, you know, a, a trained professional specializing in helping them get their pain out, they need that as importantly as they would uh, getting a, their broken leg set by a real doctor. Yeah. Um, and so uh, let me ask you one last question, if I may, Jenny. Mm -hmm. What is your one last question for me? Or what are you still struggling with most or what did we not touch? So either what is your question for me or what have we still not touched? Um, it might be, I don't want it to be too long of a question uh, or too deep. but It can be as long as you want. I, I prefer long and deep. Whatever you want to say, say it. I mean, as far as um, pertaining to my husband and staying, knowing what he went through, I've, I feel like I should, a big part of me feels like if he's not willing to do the healing himself, then I can't force it on him. I can't force him to, to get better. So then what's the, what are you struggling with in that? You said, if he doesn't want to do the work, then I can't force him, you know? So then why is that a struggle for you? The idea of letting someone be, is it because you're so conditioned to help everyone and keep helping and keep helping and keep helping? How can I possibly walk away from someone? That's probably exactly what yeah. it is, is that I, I have this guilt because I'm like, I, I'm the really literally the only person in his life, none of his family. Like I'm the only person who's cared for so, for as long as I have. And I, it makes me uh, as, as shitty as he is and can be and as, as damaging as he will be to our children. Uh, that's the main thing that I care about right now is like, I don't want them, like you just said, thinking that the way he is treating me is normal. So, but there's still this lingering feeling of, I can't even imagine leaving him at, after, you know, he, all, all he has left is what I feel like. Right. And, and interesting, after all you've done to help him and try to help him and serve him and try to get him healed and so on and so forth, he has treated you this way again and again and again and again and again. So clearly that's what he thinks of all your fucking help. And he's going to piss and moan and he's going to whine. He's going to say, how can you leave me? La, la, la. It's like, fuck you. If you wanted help, be a fucking man or being a grown ass woman. I'd say it to a woman too, or, uh, uh, you know, a non-binary, then grow the fuck up and get your fucking self healed. Yeah. All right. And he's not doing it. And so this is this isn't even about him. This is about your own programming long before you ever met him, that yeah. you can't walk away from someone in need and that that somehow says you're a bad person. 
Somewhere in you, you think that if I walk away from someone in need, I'm a bad person. And I'm telling you, Jenny, you're not a bad person. You've tried. And part of what we realize in life is that I really can't help someone unless they want unless they want help and unless they want to help themselves. And he's clearly not interested in helping. And he's going to, he is going to piss and moan to the high heavens. And he may even try to talk you back into staying. And he's going to pull on every single one of your guilt strings. And he's going to do everything in his power to, to play on your heart. But the bottom line is, is you've tried and 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 that's enough. Yeah. And at some point, your feelings have to matter more to you than his feelings. And that's what this is really about. Because you've been conditioned to believe that your feelings aren't important, as important as everyone else's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jenny, I believe in you. I think you have an amazing future ahead. I think you're a beautiful hearted, strong, obviously very intelligent woman. And I, I respect the hell out of you. And I know you have a great future ahead. And and just do the work. And trust that God has a great future for you and wonderful people ahead in your life. Uh, but most importantly, wonderful you. And so you got to get all that other crud out. You got to do the work, Jenny. And I guarantee you, if you do that work, yeah, I guarantee you, things will start to change. But it means facing all the ugly work and getting all that pain out of you. But thank you so much for being on the show, Jenny. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. You bet. And to everyone who is listening and who enjoyed uh, hearing Jenny's story, I I know I speak on behalf of everyone uh, saying thank you for opening up and sharing your story with us. And to all of you, I wish you a total kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Bye.